The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS NFL Podcast. I'm Katie Mox here with Will Brinson and JLC. Jason LaConfora is joining us today. For those of you who missed the last episode, with 100 days coming up to the NFL season, we spent $100 each making our best bets that you can make right now. And today we're going to be talking about some NFL player props. A would you rather you'll have to choose between, or rather we will have to choose between. JLC, uh, I haven't seen you in a while. I know you've been on the show multiple, multiple times, but not with me. So I'm so happy to see you. Thanks for having me. Yes, we were. I, I've been on the show in various iterations over the last <laughs> gosh, 10 years, right? Yeah. I mean, I got to think uh, probably 10 years. Fun fact, JLC is the only uh, person in the history of this the Pick Six Podcast or the the CBS Sports NFL Podcast, whatever iteration in it, believe me. Right. Uh, you know, you know, corporate they like to move things around. They've changed the name a few times, but the only person in the history of the show to secure an independent sponsorship uh, in the form of was it was it Death Metal Records? So what was it? The was Scandin- it, the- it was uh, it was Metal Blade Records. Metal Blade Records. We had Scandinavian Death Metal Lock of the Week. That yeah, we had JLC <laughs> like Scandinavian F- Death Metal Lock of the Week. We'd be like, yeah. Oh, my boy Brian Schlegel. Yeah. Wait, yeah. JLC, are you a death metal fan? Is that your oh, yeah. music of choice? I'm a, I mean, I I don't. I'm not really a big death metal guy, but yeah. I mean, like, I mean, but I like. You're a I punk. You're a punk metal, rock you know metal, I mean? like, like Slayer, fan. Exodus, Suicidal Tendencies, Metallica. Not really a big Megadeth guy. I like everything. I like, I everything, like everything as well. If anybody wants uh, to help, anybody got. An extra ticket to see the Misfits next month in Newark. I'm, I'm in. If you want, I was just going to say, Dom in the chat, very generously, distracted. yeah, offering some uh, Billy Joel tickets up. But uh, thank you, Dom. But that's okay. I can uh, I can figure that out. And also, but, you know, Brinson maybe wants to see Billy Joel or somebody. No, 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 no. Let's wants to see the Misfits. Let's 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 point out that Billy Joel is getting faded here by my guys, Fish. Billy Joel's like been trying to keep this residency going at Madison Square Garden. He's like, I'm the king. The fish goes in there and plays the Baker's Dozen 13 straight nights. Don't repeat a single song over 13 nights and did every single night with a different donut theme. They get a banner hung up there. Trey's up there for Knicks shows or Knicks games. He's absolutely like, like Billy Joel is, is, is freaking out right now. And he just finally is giving up and he's giving up his residency. And it's time to declare that Madison Square Garden is the home of fish and not, Billy Joel. Sorry, Billy. 
<laughs> I don't know Billy that New Yorkers would necessarily agree. Yeah, Billy Cole's Billy Joe's a world class D bag. Uh, by the way, um, if you do your research, work- seriously, he was in like a two guy prog rock outfit, like the first band he was ever in. And like when they were about to get signed, he stole the other dude's wife before like Whoa. he got his own record contract. And then there's this documentary Whoa. about session musicians, and they despise him like bad guy. I love it. Okay, so Fish. we'll start our either or with Billy Joel or Fish. I'm going to go Billy Joel. I know that you are going to go Fish. Fish over there, Brinson. Who do you? Uh, yeah. Who do you like? You're going uh, Fish too. I'm an anti yeah. Billy Joel guy. Anti Billy Joel. I, I, I would also much. just point out very quickly that um, my my son Robbie, who's nine. Uh, I, I showed him a clip of South Park for the first time, and he's big into the South Park theme. And I go, yo, dude, that's Les Claypool from Primus. He goes, that's a real person? I was like, yeah, I'm seeing him Wednesday in Raleigh when he comes. And uh, they, they're covering Pink Floyd's animals, the Flying Frog Brigade, Les Claypool's Flying Frog yeah. Brigade, covering animals. Very excited for that. Very excited for that as well. And I'm very excited for this show. We are going to play a game of Would You Rather, but football edition with some futures props, starting off with some quarterbacks and passing yards. The first one we're going to talk about is Joe Burrow versus Josh Allen. For who's going to have the most passing yards this season? Joe Burrow plus 600, Josh Allen plus 1,100. Uh, JLC, who would you rather? Or Brinson had something. I, I was going to say, gonna say like, this is not that's not the price on the matchup per se. Like these are just these are like you have to. We're, 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 we created the matchup ourselves by making it uh, Burrow, who's right. six hundred across the entire NFL, yeah. and Herbert, um, or excuse me, uh, Allen is eleven uh, eleven to one. Like those are the, the prices for leading the entire NFL. But we're we're sort of picking between them. It's not yes. you get six hundred. Right, if you had to, yeah. You had to put a couple clams on one of these two. Which way are you yeah. going? Yeah. I ultimately went Allen. You know, I'm just not convinced that the Bills' run game is going to be all that. I'm not convinced that the offensive line is going to be exponentially better. Um, I'm not convinced that Josh Allen isn't going to sort of default to that that mode of, like, I've just got to do everything I possibly can in the moment to try to make this play and, and win that game. I do feel like the Bengals um, can be a little more balanced. I think the Bengals may have a chance to sit on the ball more maybe than the Bills. Um, and, I, yeah, I just kind of feel like Joe Burrow's at a stage of his career where he's been to a Super Bowl. He almost went to another one. Like, I kind of feel like they, they have a template there. It works for them. They ran the ball a decent amount last year, even when Joe Mixon, right, had the worst yards per carry of every regular running back, every starting running back in the league or anybody who saw regular time. So um, I'm not sure either of these guys actually brings home the chalice here, Mm. but uh, will, I will go Josh Allen. I'm going Burrow. I think it'd be really close though. So I was kind of expecting when I looked at the the numbers to see that uh, with Ken Dorsey calling plays and Brian Dable gone, that, that we would see maybe a little more about like, and I thought this before the season too, I thought Sean McDermott might sort of put his thumb on that offense Mm -hmm. some, Uh, but they actually had a, uh, they had a 5.9 pass rate over expectation third in the NFL. Uh, That means basically how many times were they expected to pass were they in and above or below that. And the only team, well, the, only, the team that was above them at second was the Bengals at 7.6. The two things that sort of swayed me here, uh, one, when you look at the, the formations that the, the Bengals were using in first down and sort of the way that they attacked it, 82% of the time and 11 personnel in first down, Bills just 65% of the time. I think Sean McDermott will want to run. Um, and then 66% of the time in shotgun on first down for the, for the Bengals. And then the, the other thing, if Burrow comes into the season completely healthy, which or or not dealing with a 
you know, post pandemic, like <laughs> rookie mini camp. Yeah. I think maybe they start a little bit faster. We saw them run the ball early on, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of with you, JLC. I don't know that these are the two guys at their prices that I would want to jump on in the overall scheme of things. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty close. I don't blame you for going Allen to 11 to one. I'll go burrow here. Um, I do, I do just have this lingering suspicion that we might see Sean McDermott sort of try and conservatize the offense mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, very curious to see how that play calling works. And, uh, you know, and if, and, and if you know, like this digs thing is lingering a little bit. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Brinson on this one. I'm going to go Burrow. And it's interesting because I went to go look at their individual prop lines for passing yards, and they're pretty even. You got Burrow, his line is set to 4,425 and a half. Allen, 4,300 mm. and a half. So they have Allen just as slightly higher, interestingly enough, than Burrow, yet, you know, Allen's at 11 to 1. The value at 11 to 1 is probably there over the Burrow. Yeah. Right, yeah. exactly. So I, I get what JCL is saying for sure, but I just think that Burrow, when you look at last Last season, he had uh, 4,527 yards, I believe. Allen had 4,316. And when I compared them side by side, Burrow had Allen beat in pretty much every category except being sacked, of course. Completions, 418 to Allen's four, excuse me, 362. Attempts, 612 to 573. And then, of course, the percentage as well. Allen, to me, is just one of the best dual-threat quarterbacks. So I'm going to stick with a more kind of traditional pocket passer. But at 11-1, to when you look at where they are, I do think the JLC is on the right track here in terms of value. All right. Moving on, we got Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, of course, uh, is the favorite in this category, plus 420. Then you got Herbert at plus 750. Looking at their prop lines, uh, Herbert is set to 4,325 and a half. Mahomes, 4,750 and a half. So a huge discrepancy there. JLC, uh, are you going chalk here? I'm going Herbert. Um, I just... I don't buy the Chargers defense like and I don't totally buy Brandon Stanley and I think Herbert's going to be chasing way more games and having to to sort of try to be a, a second half superhero than Mahomes. I also tracked this all through last year. If you go back to when Pacheco came on the scene, like Andy Reid went from a guy bottom five in the league and percentage of running the mm. ball to creeping up into the top half of the league. And I think he understands that that ball control style for a team that doesn't play 17-game seasons. They expect to play 20, 21-game seasons every year. I know forever people have been saying Andy Reid will never run the ball. If you really break it down, he started to last year. And I think he's going to continue to lean into that. And I think it's about, again, navigating Mahomes through an extra month than most people are going to play. And they've already been doing that for a couple of years, and that stuff tends to load up on you. And then you look at you know what Mahomes went through physically last year I, I just think that Herbert's going to have to cut it loose time and time and time again to chase games to try to get them into the playoffs. I don't really buy anybody else in that division. I think the Chiefs win this running away. They may even be able to sit Mahomes for a week or two late in the year. I got to go Herbert here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm going Herbert with the the, the 750. You add in Kellen Moore, you expect you'd see some more deep shots. And, and like the pass rate stuff is really confusing with the Cowboys and the and the Chargers when you look at it because the Chargers were jacked up top five in the league last year. The, the Cowboys actually had a negative pass rate over expectation, but they missed Dak Prescott for five games. 
And do we think that that was more Kellen Moore's decision-making or more Mike McCarthy's decision-making or Jerry Jones, you know, pulling the strings on Mike McCarthy and saying, Rumsley, Kelly, down by the goal line, but we need to get them touchdowns. I think it's probably a little bit of the latter. So I, I, I'll lean towards Herbert here. And I think, you know, the, they added Quentin Johnson. I know that a lot of folks are saying he's just Mike Williams 2.0. I tend to think both those guys can be bigger play threats, even if they're not speed receivers per se. Jalen Guyton's still there. Herbert throws... And, I mean, all due respect to everybody else on this list, I think Justin Herbert throws the prettiest deep ball mm-hmm. and maybe, like, the most, like, laserish deep ball uh, of anybody in the NFL. I mean, I, you know, maybe Allen can throw it further. Maybe Mahomes is going to be more accurate most of the time. But Herbert is deadly down the field. And I think adding Kellen Moore there is going to get you get to stretch the offense a lot more. Um, you know, they, they don't really have this traditional running game per se that they can lean on. And – to your point, JLC, Brandon Staley is Andy Reid's not on the hot seat. He can do whatever the hell he wants in that right. offense. Now, the, the Chiefs were the number one in the league in pass rate of expectation last year, over 10%. Uh, that's probably going to you know, dip down a little bit. They were 9%-ish uh, each of the last two years, running the ball around 66% of the time. That's just how they or excuse me, pass the ball around 66% of the time. That's just sort of how they roll. But if they do lean to Pacheco, they do try to you know minimize what, what Mahomes has to deal with. And now they're also... They've already shown, hey, Tyreek, you're gone. We don't care. We can lead the league in passing yards and passing touchdowns without you. You know, they've yep. done that. So I think this is going to be a little more desperate team in the Chargers. And if the Kellen Moore, uh, Justin Herbert thing clicks and the deep ball action starts working, this is a guy who could definitely lead the league in passing yards. I agree with you guys. And I'm taking Herbert on this one plus the 750. And look, it's hard to argue against someone like Patrick Mahomes. And I see Billy here saying Herbert over Mahomes is shocking. And maybe it is because Mahomes has already had two seasons of breaking 5,000 yards in 2018. And then last year without Tyree Kill, which to your point, Brinson is extremely impressive. And then you have someone like Herbert who also has broken that threshold. He had 5,014 yards in the 2021 season. But then last year, the charges were decimated with injuries. He had that, uh, what was it? A fractured rib cartilage, which I think affected him a lot more than uh, maybe a lot of people knew. And he actually dropped down. He only had 6.7 intended air yards per pass attempt last year. It was the third lowest in depth behind Matt Ryan and Daniel Jones. But he was still number two in terms of the amount of yards the entire season, 4,739. So for him to get over 5,000 again, isn't really asking too much, especially when you think uh, and you factor in Kellen Moore into the mix now. So I do think that Justin Herbert is going to have a great year this year. And yes, I wouldn't be surprised if Patrick Mahomes wins this, but at plus 750, I think you're getting a lot more uh, upside here with uh, with Herbert. So I agree with the fellas. Uh, I did see someone in the chat saying no one is talking about Trevor Lawrence. Well, fret not. We're going to talk about Trevor Lawrence right now. So we've got Trevor Lawrence versus Tua. Lawrence plus 1,500, Tua plus 1,500. So same odds here. When you look at their prop lines um, for their yards per season, you got Lawrence set at nine, or excuse, excuse me, 3,000. 3,950 and a half to a 3,800 and a half. So uh, Lawrence, a little bit more favored there. What do you think, JLC? This was the easiest one for me by far. Um, I understand Tua is taking like, what, like Kung Fu and Judo to try to fall better, this or that. But I mean, Trevor Lawrence is, is kind of built like an ox. Um, and Tua's not. And I just think if we're going to talk about something like a gross yardage full season statistical category, it all starts with availability. And I think um, Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence are onto a really good thing there. 
They add a Ridley into the mix, right? Like it was looking really good second half of last year. I think it could be even better. Um, they play in a division against a lot of Fugazi teams where even if Trevor Amazing. Lawrence isn't playing the fourth quarter, right? He, he's going to, he could do enough damage in the first half that he already fills up um, the box score. I, I think you, you're talking about much more difficult challenge in the division for Tua. And I have serious concerns about Tua's ability to get through an entire season. So mm-hmm. for me, this was kind of a layup. I'm, I'm team Lawrence all the way here. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, this is like, to, I, I look, I like Tua. I think he's a very good fit in Mike McDaniel's scheme, sort of operating as a point guard. You know, left-handed. Uh, like, who's a famous? Do we have a obviously famous left-handed point guard that I'm that I'm forgetting about? Um, but you know, like like uh, I'm just thinking, like you know, the left-handed point guard. He doesn't need to be Patrick Mahomes. He doesn't need to be Brett Favre. You know, he doesn't need to be this. Like he he's a distributor, right? And that's his job in that offense. And with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. We said it before the season, like, get the ball underneath. Let them do the damage with the yards after the catch. It's going to bring defenses in. You can go over the top. It all makes sense. I don't see how you can trust Tua to play an entire season. And at 15 to 1 to lead the league in passing is crazy. I mean, the Dolphins did, you know, they had pass rate of 64%. Jaguars just 61%. Um, basically, you know, like pretty even ex- in terms of expectation of, like, the amount of passing that they would do. But – to JLC's point, you add Calvin Ridley, who is a legitimate number one wide receiver when he's not make, making parlays and redacted. Um, you know, like, he, he, you know, when he's not out there ga- like gambling, he's a number one wide receiver. The Falcons wouldn't have let him go for nothing if, if they thought that. And so I think adding Ridley to this, a decent enough offensive line, second year in Doug Peterson's system, everybody wanted to write off Trevor Lawrence as a bust. After one year, ignoring the fact that Urban Meyer was the Uh, biggest train wreck in terms of NFL coaching history. And so this is not Trevor Lawrence's third year. I mean, it is, but it's really like his second year in a functional NFL system. And I think there's a very good chance he takes a big leap forward. I kind of like 15 to 1. And the the divisional stuff, too, you have potentially three other teams in that division who have okay defenses – or decent defenses, depending on Tennessee, maybe. I think Houston, maybe, we'll see if anybody takes a step forward. I don't think they'll be great. Gus Bradley's involved in one of them. But three rookie quarterbacks, if those rookie quarterbacks are in games where they're losing, they're going to be allowed to chunk the ball all over the place, which is going to crank up the number of passes for Trevor Lawrence in that spot. I agree with you guys. I'm going Trevor Lawrence as well. And look, it's not anything against Tua. When Tua was healthy last season, I believe he led the league, right, in passer rating and in passing touchdown rate. Like, he was great. The problem was is he had two concussions, and we don't know how healthy he's going to be. If he gets another concussion, we don't know how long he's going to last this season. There just seems to be so much more upside with uh, Sunshine or Trevor Lawrence. Last year, he had 4,113 yards, and I was looking at checkdown rates, and Lawrence had the second lowest checkdown rate last season at 3.4%. And if you look at the people that had the lowest, a lot of those quarterbacks were the dual threats, the mobile quarterbacks, the ones that could scramble really well, which is something that Lauren did. Lawrence, excuse me, did. He had um, 11th. He was 11th in quarterback rushing yards last season with 291. I feel like when you look at these younger quarterbacks too, they scramble a lot more when they panic and don't know what to do. As they get more comfortable in the pocket, they throw a lot more. So I think there's more upside for Trevor here. And we're going to see some um, increase in yards per attempt and then total passing yards as well. Some positive regression for Lawrence. So um, I agree with y'all on this one. 
when uh, when you look at all of these, though, who would you say, who would you put your money on for the, um, and Billy, I don't know, can you put that back up on the screen, all of the odds there? Who would you say wins uh, this category, JLC? I might kind of be inclined to go, go Herbert here. I, I yeah, It's a contract year for him, right? We don't think he's getting extended before the year. We do think Burrow is. Um, it's a desperate coach. Um, he doesn't have Sean Payton looming over his shoulder anymore, but you you could, you know, there's plenty of people who'd be lining up to coach Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, and if the, uh, if the Broncos, they, if the Broncos play better than the Chargers, the Chargers are not going to be thrilled that Sean Payton ended up there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, all, we all know Austin Eckler's a hell of a back, but he couldn't, he was getting destroyed in the backfield last year. You know, like he, they couldn't run the ball even with Austin Eckler. I'm not sure they're that much better offensive line wise this year. Uh, and I don't know. I, I, I just, I, I, he's got even more weapons now. I, I, I just think they're going to be a team that has to try to run up the score to try to protect that defense. And I think unlike a lot of old school defensive coaches who would default to running the ball or even what Will was talking about McDermott trying to get more balanced. I think, you know, Brandon Staley, Mr. Aggressive, or I guess for one year and not so much last year. I just see him letting Kellen Moore try to run it up and get the 45 before they do. Yeah. Um, I don't mind Herbert there. I'm probably, I'd probably lean towards Lawrence. I think at these prices, 15 to one, or maybe even look for, further down the board. Like, I mean, Daniel Jones is 75 to one is a little like <laughs> intriguing as a sleeper. I mean, hey, look, 75 to one. It's going to splash. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to, I don't know if I'm going to nibble a Mac Jones uh, or anything like that, but you know, you, you could you, you can see it again. We talk about this a lot with these odds, these futures, these single category situations. The books have shrunk the top of the board just like they have in golf. They Rock don't want, they don't want to get right. torched by uh, they don't want to get torched by you know these the the sort of the deeper sleepers uh, or they don't want to get torched by mispricing guys who could end up being deeper sleepers. And that's why you see so many people under twenty to one when that's really just kind of absurd. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to agree with Justin Herbert. The only problem I have with Justin Herbert is I feel like I preseason, I picked the Chargers for a lot of things last season. I picked them to win their division and look what happened. I think I also picked Herbert to go over or to win the passing yards and look what happened. Now he got injured, which I don't hopefully knock on wood. That doesn't happen this year, but it's just so hard to make futures bets on the Chargers considering uh, the Chargers are going to charge and uh, usually blows up in your face. Um, all right. Well, we are going to move on now, guys. That was your passing yard matchups. We're going to take a look at the ground game next and look at some TD season props. Do us a solid hit that like button, subscribe to our channel and comment on this video. And if you like sports betting, then you should check out Sportsline. It's your one-stop shop for the best bets on upcoming games. Get up-to-the-minute news, injuries, and other need-to-know stats to make your bets. Featuring the top voices in the betting space like Todd Furman, Mike McClure, Kenny White, Emery Hunt, Katie Mox, and more. Monday to Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. Available on the go via the CBS Sports app. This is Pick 6. We'll be right back. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. 
brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. They say patience is a virtue. But for some things, we can't wait. Welcome back to Pick 6. I am Mox here with Brinson and JLC, and uh, we are playing Would You Rather, Either Or. And now we're going to go into rushing touchdown matchups. First up, we got Jalen Hurts versus Lamar Jackson. Jalen Hurts' line is set to 11.5. Lamar set to 6.5. So would you rather go Jalen Hurts under his 11.5 at minus 135 or Lamar Jackson over his 6.5 at minus 125? JLC. This was a tough one for me. Um, I know. Well, one's an over, one's an under. That's what really messed up my head. I was like, wait, what? This was was well well thought out. Um, Look, the the misconception, I think, about Lamar Jackson is that he's a touchdown machine running the ball. He actually throws for more touchdowns than people think. Throws for more touchdowns in the red zone than people think. But they have Gus Edwards. You know, J.K. Dobbins is in a contract year. He's begging for more of the football. Um, they even have somebody like a third down back in, in Hill. Um, I think they're going to be throwing much more to running backs in the red zone than Greg Roman ever did. That's going to cut into some of those opportunities for Lamar. And just the pure volume of design quarterback runs, I mean, $51 million a year. I think that that and a new offensive coordinator and Odell Beckham and another first-round pick wide receiver and three potential move tight ends, you know, like it, it – I don't, I don't think this was ever a huge part of Lamar's game. He's not really great in the sneak situations. He has trouble gripping the football sometimes. They've had a lot of bad luck and bogged down in short yardage situations the Ravens have the last few years, especially when it's come to design stuff for the quarterback. So he's never, you know, like he's got five rushing touchdowns the last two years. He's never yeah. had more than seven. I don't yeah. know that he reaches or breaks his career total here. The problem with Hurts is all he does is score rushing touchdowns. He's got 12 (laughs) rushing touchdowns in his last 10 games, including the playoffs. But then I'm thinking, okay, will they do it a little differently? I don't think much of that division. Will they have such a lead, you know, that in a a weak NFC, are they able to sort of sit on the ball a bunch, play the backup in the second half of games, just maybe pull Hurts out? Where in the AFC, it's such a dogfight. I – I don't know that the Ravens are going to have that luxury. So I will go Hurts here with, with no great conviction, looking yeah. more at like season theory and game theory than the actual sort of numbers because last year that that you know that would have been that would have been a home run. But I'm thinking maybe they back off of some of that stuff. Um 
and we saw different guys emerge running the ball yeah. in the red zone for them a little bit late last year. You know, um, who's the back who all he does is score three touchdowns a game against the Giants? Um, trying to think <laughs> Kenneth Gainwell. Gainwell, yeah. So, like, I don't know. Maybe, you know what I mean? Maybe, maybe that takes a few away from him and he finishes just under this. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think, too, like, with the addition of you had Rashad Penny, you had DeAndre Swift now in that trade. Maybe, you know, those are two guys who – I think you could probably say or maybe a little more uh, red zone pounders than or like red zone receiving in, in the terms of Swift um, than, than maybe you would have seen with Miles Sanders. And I agree with you. I think they saw and, you know, they made the Super Bowl, of course, but the risk that they ran last year with Hertz getting injured late when they essentially had the number one seed all sewn up. I mean, that has to kind of – and you can't really do anything about it at that time. You've already made it that far in the season. He missed the games he did. They rushed him back to, to, to guarantee that they would get that one seed. And then, they, of course, you had to jump in and play in the playoffs. Um, you know, I think it's one of those where you almost have to take some of the weight or some of the, some of the responsibility for that red zone rushing off of him – and to your point, the NFC much easier. You know, they could, if you know, Katie won't want to hear this, but if the 49ers can't figure out the quarterback situation <laughs> and, and and the Dallas offense stagnates with Kellen Moore leaving and, and Brian Schottenheim coming in, I mean, the Eagles could run away with the number one seed. I'm actually kind of perplexed that this line is heavily juiced to the under at 11 and a half, to be honest. Yeah. Um, even with, you know, th- we're making these arguments like, I would almost rather take the over on Jalen Hurts or the under on Lamar Jackson. Oh, absolutely. Than, than yes. I would on either one. Like, like the Lamar Jackson line doesn't make any sense to me either. Over is minus 125. You look at he's never like he's had seven rushing touchdowns, I think, uh, either two or three times, and that's his max. He yeah, he's got Mark Andrews. He they added these receivers. They're gonna yeah. use Zay Flowers on a bunch of horizontal yeah. stuff. Dobbins is a yeah, I mean, like there's a there's a bunch of reasons why. You could almost see it. So I mean, I'll take. I'd, I went with a Lamar over, but like I don't really feel great. I wouldn't bet either one of those, no. the under or the over, if I was betting on it right now. Um, I just think that the, the rushing touchdowns can be variable and sort of hard to predict. So I'll take the lower number if I've got to do that versus try to fade uh, Jalen Hurts. <laughs> I know this is the tough. One. By the way, Boston Scott is the oh Boston Scott. Uh, the chat was uh, letting us know that one. Anonymous uh, anonymous Eagles running back who you know like, <laughs> giant killer. Yeah, Corey Clement Well Scott or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I don't like this one either, but I am going to go Jalen Hurts under the 11 and a half for most of the reasons that JLC already put forward. What Hurts had 13 rushing touchdowns last season. I do think that the Eagles are due for some regression and changing things up. So it's hard to think that you can repeat something that high level, even though I don't feel comfortable fading someone like Jalen Hurts. But uh, to JLC's point, Lamar's never gone over seven. He hasn't done it since 2020. I believe he only had, what, five rushing touchdowns last year to the year before. Now, I know he's had some issues with health. Uh, they got rid of Greg Roman, which is great. I'm sure that Baltimore Raven fans are excited. He got Todd Munkin. That's probably going to transform this offense into more of a pass-happy attack. Fewer design runs for him, probably. And like you said, OBJ's 
Jose Flowers. So for him to get seven, it just seems like that's just not the direction um, that the Baltimore offense is going. All right, moving on. We're looking at Joe Mixon over six and a half rushing touchdowns. It's at minus 115. Or Christian McCaffrey over six and a half rushing touchdowns. That's also at minus 115. JLC, give me McCaffrey. Come on. Yeah, th- this one felt like a layup too, um, which means that I guess it would probably come back to bite me in the tuckus. But <laughs> Usually. I, I mean, Joe, Joe Mixon, like I'm not sure Joe Mixon's still there. Yeah. Week one or after the trade deadline or, you know, I, I'm a little surprised they let P. Ryan walk the way they did because I felt like he was becoming a pretty interesting piece for them, um, not just in the screen game like usual, but just running the football a little bit as well. Uh, I don't, but I, the bottom line is I don't, sorry, Katie, I don't buy the 49ers <laughs> quarterback situation. Like yeah, I can't invest yeah. any money yeah. in that. And I think, again, people get caught up in, Kyle Shanahan is thought of as a QB guru. He's had more misses than hits, many more misses than hits. Um, one thing we know he can do and his daddy can do, and it goes back 40 years now, is run the damn football. And They've got a back who does it as well as anybody. I don't think, especially if he has to go with Trey Lance early in the season, I think you want to, yeah, maybe Lance gets a few design things, but he's hurt so much. I mean, yes, McCaffrey, I, I that number seems a little low for me. It, I'm kind of shocked it's the same as Joe Mixon. Yeah, I mean, McCaffrey could have a three-touchdown game any weekend. Okay, maybe two are on the ground and he catches one. But if he, if he had three rushing touchdowns, in week one, would anybody be like, that's the craziest thing in the history of the world? Like, I have to go. Well, he had me. eight rushing touchdowns in just 13 games yeah. last year with the 49ers. This, this, You're going to give me number, a 17. The, yeah. These numbers make no sense. Like, Joe Mixon it might not be on. I mean, like, I mean, there's a chatter. He might get cut. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, like, I mean, and Christian McCaffrey is a guy they traded for mid-season and immediately became the focal point of their entire offense. Whether it's banged up Brock Purdy or CMC's old boy Sammy Darnold or Trey Lance, <laughs> whoever is starting for them the first few weeks of the season, they are going to want to ease the workload on the quarterback in San Francisco. McCaffrey's going to get – they trust McCaffrey around the red zone. They know that he is capable of you know taking a beating, and like, but they're not going to crank up his – you know, they, they make sure to give him – I think, you know, this is a team that Kyle Shanahan isn't like an analytics guy per se, but I do think they understand the importance of giving Christian McCaffrey high value, lower impact touches. So like they're only going to really pound him up the middle or utilize him in these, you know, like aggressively downhill running schemes when they've got the ball in the red zone. You know, most of the time they're going to get him out, get him out in space, you know, because they know what kind of player he is. So it's a no-brainer for me, McCaffrey six and a half versus Mixon. I, I the Mixon line is confusing, honestly. Yeah, no, I would agree with you guys. Thirteen games McCaffrey had with San Francisco last year. He had thirteen touchdowns. Eight of those were rushing touchdowns. Of course, two of those came in the postseason. He averaged about twenty touches per game. You think about a seventeen-game season. He had six in just thirteen. And like you said, with all the quarterback question marks, who are you going to lean on the heaviest? Your Swiss Army knife. So it just seems to me that this is just a no-brainer to take Christian McCaffrey. All right, moving on to the next one. We got Damian Pierce over five and a half. That's at even money or Brees Hall over five and a half. And that's at minus 115 JLC. 
I'm going Brees Hall here, and I understand there's always a little bit of trepidation coming off injury, but it happened relatively early in the season. He's a young guy, not much tread on his tires. And I, I look, I'm very cynical about Aaron Rodgers at this stage of his career and who he is and who he's been showing people he is really since the last three, four weeks of the 2021 season slash postseason. Um, I think he's very content to rely on high percentage plays and let other people do the work. And he loved the fact that they had two running backs. And really, if you go back and like watch and listen to some of what he was saying, like in through the middle of the season, when, you know, he had his outsies and his boo-boos, like he really just, we got, we got, why aren't we using Aaron Jones? Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones. Like he was begging for it. Like he was telling the powers that be like, it ain't, don't put it on me. We got two backs. Let's put it on them. So, um, I don't know what to make of that whole thing in Houston. Like, I, I just – I still get the sense that they're, like, still – I don't want to say in tank mode, but, like, I don't yeah. think this thing is getting built up really quickly. I really don't know what to make of them as an in offensive – I'm sorry? In Houston? Yeah, I mean, I, I just I, – I'm just I, – I, I like Hall in this situation. I'll go Pierce, but, I mean, I, I'm not really confident in – um, in, in either guy. And part of it is the injury to Hall. Like if we knew Hall was going to be fully healthy and coming back, then that would be totally different. Uh, you know, they've got, um, they got, my, they got Michael Carter there who they used a, a fourth round pick on in, in 2021. Not a, not a huge deal. Uh, they got my boy Bam Knight there as well, who actually ran extremely well last season. I think it gets some run, but yeah, I mean like Hall, Hall's the guy, if this, you know, if this Hackett running, if the, you know, what is this, what is this offense going to look like? Right. Is it going to be a ton of running the ball? And can you lean on Brees Hall that early? Is it gonna be Aaron? I don't think it's gonna be Aaron Rodgers chunking at the ball all over the place. You said JLC, yeah. he doesn't he doesn't mind getting the ball to playmakers and letting them do the work. And he's got Lazard, he's got Miko Hardman, he's got his boy and Randall Cobb. Defense Cabo. is the star. Salah's side yeah. of the ball is the star. Like, yeah. right? Just don't yeah. just don't bleep it up. High percentage football. And I think at this right. stage of his career, that's what Aaron Rodgers is all about. Yeah, and I think that, you, know, you can make the case that Hall's the better pick here because if you're going, if you're going to be, if you're going to have leads, and we presume that the Jets will because they're expected to be a better team than the Texans, yeah. and maybe he ends up, you know, get him. I'm still going to go Pierce. Uh, I'm going to go with Pierce because of the health. He had that ankle injury, missed the last four games, should be fine. Uh, I don't think Devin Singletary is their guy, even though they added him. And I think the Texans will be a lot better than people expect this year. Um, you know, neither one of these is extremely appealing to me uh, just because the injury to Hall, though. Yeah, I'm going to go. Uh, what did I go on this one? I think I went. Yeah, I went Brees Hall over five and a half at minus one fifteen. Obviously, Damian Pierce has the better value there at even money. But if you look at both of these coaches, actually, they both come from the Kyle Shanahan tree. Which, even though they are defensive minded coaches, they both come from a system with heavy running back usage with multiple backs. So then I got to go to well, who's going to be running back number one? That's going to be Brees Hall. Now I know he is coming off of the injury. Salah said he looks great. They expect him to start week one. And then you've got Pierce who now has Singletary on the Texans. who's going to be splitting a lot with Singletary. So I just think there's more upside with, uh, with Brees Hall. So I'm going to go that way. All right. This, this one is interesting to me because I was like, uh, both of them, Derek Henry over nine and a half minus 115, or Jonathan Taylor over eight and a half at minus 115. I think they can both do it, but JLC, who would you rather? I, I, don't buy anything Titans related right now. I, mm -hmm. I think that that ownership group is kind of in a, uh, maybe I was going to say stealth. Maybe it's even not so stealthy, but I, I think they are in tank mode and they want to have that thing coming out of this post Tannehill thing on the rise 
when they're ready to move into their, you know, new $1.5 billion stadium or whatever handout they're getting from, uh, from the state of Tennessee and the city of Nashville and, and everybody else. I'm not convinced that Tannehill's there by the trade deadline, Ooh. maybe even sooner. If somebody gets hurt in the preseason, I think Ryan Tannehill will be shopped all over the place. If a contender loses a quarterback, I, I don't, I think Derrick Henry's at a point in his career where the wear and tear is starting to catch up. And I think even if Tannehill's there, I don't, I don't think they're a very good football team. And so at some point, you know what I mean? Are you looking at door number two or whatever? So uh, I'll go with the Colts here. Um, I'll go with Taylor. Uh, uh, he's younger. Um, I know he's been dinged up recently, but I, I just have, I, I think the Titans are, going to be a bottom 10 team in this league, maybe a bottom five team in this league. I, I think that that ownership has decided that that sort of iteration of who they were is over. And we're now in this like abyss until we figure out the next version. You know, it's not, wouldn't be crazy. I'm going to go Henry here. Um, don't, I mean, I don't, it, pretty big numbers for both of the guys, you know, again, touch reds and touchdowns can be, um, you know, it, you're, you know, you're, you're, there's a lot of fat. It's, it's not something you can easily predict, but both these guys should normally get carries in the red zone. The one thing that worries me about Taylor is you got Anthony Richardson there now. I mean, you know, he's getting hyped up already, which I assume means that they expect him to be the starter. Shane Steichen offense. We saw what he did with yeah. Jalen Hurts. He's you know, going to run him in the red zone. I think they'll try and get, let Richardson score as much as possible to justify the pick that they made there. And then the Henry thing, too, like he could be traded, right? I mean, he's in the final year of his contract and. I mean, why not, you know, ship him to – I'm trying to think of some contender that could use Derrick Henry. I mean, and, and they're like every, everyone. You know, <laughs> well, yeah, but it's like it's like the Bills, the James, the Eagles. Like, it's like, with the, yes, those two. I mean, I, I think – I don't think it's crazy to suggest that Henry could end up on a team that is in the playoff mix that has leads late in the season, and then that's how you sort of pile up those touchdowns too. If he doesn't break down in the first eight weeks of the season. Correct. Yes. He could also get to 10 touchdowns in the first five weeks of the season. It's just the way they, I mean, cause they did that two years ago. Uh, I think he ended up with, so I had it up a second ago. I think he ended up with like eight touch, eight rushing touchdowns a year that he broke down, but they were like on pace for like 500 carries that year. And so, yeah, that's kind of the, there's a, there's a tricky part of it. They're probably going to run him into the ground early in the final year of his deal. They do want to, I, I think, I, I think, I think you're right. I don't think they would care if they stink this year and, even if they drafted Levis, they'd be willing to go Caleb Williams or Drake May. Yes. Um, and then, you know, it's uh, both teams. I think you have questions about the offense and how often they'll be running in short yardage red zone stuff. Yeah, I actually think both of these guys will go over it. But for the sake of this, uh, I took Jonathan Taylor. I mean, Derrick Henry, the entire offense of the Titans runs through sure. Derrick Henry. He had 13 rushing touchdowns last year. Taylor only had four down from 18 in 2021. But, of course, he only played 11 games. And there was all of that stuff that was happening with the Colts last year. You have to think there's some positive touchdown regression for Taylor here. It's the final year, I believe, right, of his rookie contract. So it's kind of a show up or put up year for him. And to your point, uh, Brinson, about a Shane uh, Steichen offense, I think that actually Anthony Richardson is going to be better um, for Taylor here because you saw Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders went, what, 13 rushing touchdowns last year in a Steichen offense, even with Jalen Hurts. So I almost think a mobile quarterback is a good thing for him. Uh, so, mobile yeah, quarterback's I, always a good thing yeah. for the running back, but. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just whether or not they, they, what they do and what the decision-making is in the, in the red zone. Right and like Sanders yeah. had 11 rushing touchdowns last year. I mean, he, you know, that's a guy who, you know, the, 
the Eagles, the Eagles scored a lot of points. So it's, you know, it's like, <laughs> they, you know. Well, yes, they did. And you, you also no, no longer have the honky tonk man picking the quarterback from week to week. You know what I mean? Firing yeah. the coach mid season and bringing in a guy who had no business being anywhere close to an NFL sideline. You know what I mean? So I think that plus Taylor, he's being a leader of men, the year, JLC. Then the team goes into tank mode, right? Everybody's kind of like, all right, let's just punt and get to 2023. I like the, I just, I just love, I can't, I, you know, every time we mention Jeff Saturday, it's hard not to be like, remember when he was like, I asked Jim, are you sure I'm the guy for this? <laughs> <laughs> and Jim said, yes. Hmm. All right. What did Jim? Boo. Okay, guys, we're going to take a quick break and watch pick six. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back to the Pick 6 Podcast here with Jason LaConfora, JLC, and of course, Will Brinson. And we are playing either or would you rather. We went through uh, quarterback passing yards and we did rushing touchdowns. And now we're going to look at offensive player of the year odds. And again, we have matched these up. They're not necessarily right next to each other in the odds. So would you rather, JLC, and it's interesting because we talked about both of these guys in our last segments, Christian McCaffrey at 11 to 1 or Derrick Henry at 20 to one for OPY. Yeah, this is one that OPOY. Yeah, th this one seemed pretty easy to me because yeah. one team's in Super Bowl or bus mode. And again, I think the other team is completely open for business on the trade front. Now, maybe Derrick Henry gets to a contender and then has this amazing eight game run that's better than what a bunch of quarterbacks are doing. But I kind of find that hard to believe. So if I'm like, and this is also, there's a human element to this, right? Humans are voting on this. It's yeah. not just something so, Well, that, Pete Prisco is also voting on this, Jim. <laughs> mostly <laughs> humans are voting on this. Some subhumans are voting on this. But you know what I'm saying? Like, this isn't just a gross statistical thing that, like, we yeah. look at the spreadsheet at the end of the year and it is what it is. So, like, if the quarterbacking is really poor and they're alternating from guy to guy, like, if it hit rock, hits rock bottom, but they're still among the elite in the NFC, and I think they would be just based on the rest of the roster and how poor that conference is. And, like, I don't know, man. They're creating – he's scoring touchdowns out of the Wildcat. You know, like, they're they're just – Kyle is letting it all hang out. And he's clearly the best offensive player on one of the five best teams in football. And they're doing it without quality quarterback play. 
like, I mean, let's be real. This day and age, for somebody other than a quarterback or maybe a receiver to get this, it's going to take ex- extenuating circumstances. I can't come up with nearly enough for Derrick Henry and anything that's going on in Tennessee than I could. I'd take five guys off of San Francisco's offense <laughs> before I take Derrick Henry. Right? You're not giving it to somebody on a loser. Somebody who wins four games isn't getting this. I don't care how great he is. So yeah. I, I got to go CMC. Yeah, I mean, look, when you look at the Offensive Player of the Year award, it is oftentimes um, when an MVP has a really great season and there's nobody else who totally deserves it, the quarterback can double up. Now, that's a a lot less likely to happen with the new voting system that they have in place, top five for MVP, top three for the other awards. But you you look at it, and it goes to somebody who's on a winning team with huge, gaudy statistics. It's great. Derrick Henry shouldn't be 20 to 1. He should be like 40 to one because it he's coming off of a season where he had 349 carries. The law of 330 that football outsiders has talked about for years. If you have more than 330 carries, you tend to break down often. Now we thought Derrick Henry was going to beat that law. And then he got hurt two years ago. He came back. He had a monster season last year, the Jefferson cup. Um, and you know, we've seen three running backs, I guess four running backs, if you want to count, if you want to go back as far as 2012, let's say 2013 for the sake of like 10 years, DeMarco Murray won it in 2014, Um, Todd Gurley won it in 2017, and Derrick Henry in 2020. All three of those guys had otherworldly yardage and statistical seasons on really good teams. Derrick Henry has had an otherworldly yardage uh, statistical season on a really good team, and he won the award. He's unlikely to win it if the Titans aren't good. And Mm -hmm. these odds just say scream that you would rather pick Christian McCaffrey over Derrick Henry. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to make the case for Derrick Henry. You guys already – McCaffrey's also a Swiss Army knife. He does it all. He could be a running back, a wide receiver, a quarterback. He can block. I believe in the NFC Championship game, he'd even changed his helmet because maybe they were going to put him in a quarterback. Middle linebacker. Yeah, yeah, it's too risky. So it's like you look at someone like that on a team like the 49ers that, you know, hopefully goes far yet again, um, certainly has the talent to do so. It's not an even uh, matchup here. All right, moving on to the next one. We got Jamar Chase versus Justin Jefferson. Chase at 11 to 1, Jefferson at 12 to 1, JLC. Again, I think we have to look at like the quality of the team. You know what I mean? How they're thought of, the gauntlet that the Bengals would have to run through versus the Vikings. I mean, the Vikings were winning games last year and everybody was like, they're phony. It doesn't count. You know what I mean? Like, that was a fake win. That was a, oh, they shouldn't have won that one. Oh, oh, that, that was just a whole, they, they ran up all their numbers in the fourth quarter against that that pathetic defense that they faced that week, whether it was Chicago or anybody else in the division. <laughs> Quarterback got hurt. Green like, Bay uh, in the first half of the year. The Lions, like, all oh, that stuff doesn't count. They pad their stats. It's Kirk Cousins, right? He's a compiler. I, I just, no matter what, and, and I'm, I'm Jefferson is amazing. Like, he's great. Like, I, he might be the best receiver in football. We could have that discussion. But for this type of award, I have a difficult time coming up with a script unless he does something like – you know what I mean? Unless he has like 2,700 yards receiving or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Gonzo like that. Like, could I see Joe Burrow? Maybe this offensive line isn't that great, right? Orlando Brown's better run blocker than pass defender. I don't I, – I hated Williams at left tackle. I'm still not sure at right tackle. Like, I could create a grisly script where Joe Burrow misses six weeks, eight weeks. The sure. Bengals – persevere in the AFC you know what I mean and nobody can stop Jamar Chase the quarterback is you know what I mean we've taken the Joe Burrow part out of the equation for some period of time maybe it's only four weeks and I'm rooting for none of this but like 
if I'm going to put my hard-earned money on either of these propositions, I'm going Chase eight days a week over Jefferson. Yep, uh, same here. We've only seen two repeat winners of the Offensive Player of the Year Award. Uh, Marshall Falk actually won it three times in a row, 99 to 2001. And Earl Campbell, who I think also won back-to-back Heisman trophies. Didn't he? Am I crazy for thinking that? I feel like Earl Campbell, like he won Offensive Player of the Year from 78, 79, and 80. And I, I'm, I feel like he won back-to-back Heisman Trophy Awards, but I'll have to look that up. Um, the only person who's won... Griffin's the only person with two... Oh, uh, maybe that's right. I wonder what Campbell would do in college. There was something he did in college. Anywho, um, the point being, when you look at this award, the only person who's actually uh, won it twice in the span of five years, I believe, because Brady, uh, excuse me, Peyton Manning has a couple of these, but they were pretty spread out from you know, 04 and 2013 on different teams. Um, Drew Brees picked it up in 2011 and 2008. Uh, Tom Brady did too. Pardon me. Um, it's 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 really just an award that if you're a great like if you're a great quarterback who doesn't win MVP you might get it or otherwise it's going to be like the top receiver and Jefferson is awesome there's no question about it but this is not an award that you're going to see there's a lot of um, voter fatigue the voters mm-hmm. are going to want to award this to somebody else it's unlikely to be Jefferson again and you see the Vikings are three three to one or greater to win the division whereas the Bengals are favored to win the division. It wouldn't surprise me at all if Chase picked this up. Uh, everyone loves Justin Jefferson, of course, but Jamar Chase is a much better bet in this spot. Yeah, I agree with everything that you guys said. I think it's highly unlikely that he goes back-to-back for Offensive Player of the Year. Also, the Vikings picked up, what, Jordan Anderson in the, or Addison, Addison in the first yeah. Yeah, in the first round. So that could possibly cut into some of Jefferson's targets uh, a little bit there. And Jamar Chase, I, you all, you already know I'm high on the Bengals this year. They're kind of my, I wouldn't call it a sleeper pick, but they're my pick to win uh, the Super Bowl based on the odds. And I do think that Joe Burrow is going to have a great season. So Jamar Chase seems like the right uh, pick for me. Uh, this one is interesting. You've got Devontae Adams plus 2000 or Jonathan Taylor plus 2000. Now, Devonta Adams might not have a quarterback, so it's going to make it hard for him. But JLC, what do you think? I want Taylor here just like if he has a 22 touchdowns. We know he's had 18. Yeah. And if Richardson is, you know, like he can he can help you between the 20s, but you don't trust him throwing the ball in the red zone, right? You're trying to play ball control. You, you take it out of his hands. You keep it simple, stupid. You you you, you know you bring in the jumbo, uh, extra tackle plus a second blocking tight end, and maybe he comes out of this with some tremendous scoring totals and, and some tremendous rushing totals. Uh, I, he's the only guy in this that I can make a case for. Like, yeah. who's the Raiders' quarterback? Like, if it's Tom Brady in week 10 and these two connected (laughs) go off like Brady and Moss did, you know, 10 years ago, then all right, maybe. But, like, it wasn't what anybody thought it would be last year with his boy Derek Carr. Like, if if that wasn't enough to keep Carr from getting benched for Jared Stidham, I don't buy Jimmy G. Like, I don't buy anything there. Like, McDaniels is kind of – already fighting for his job. I'm not sure. Maybe Adams gets traded and maybe that, but with that contract, I don't really know how that happens. I, I just, come on. It's the Raiders. Like what are the Raiders? I, I, I he's going to catch screen passes and take them to the house three times a game. I, I, I don't know. 
Maybe the better matchup might have been like Cooper Cup versus Adams because we just massive question like that. Like if we're going to yeah. pick somebody right next to Adams, right? It's like you have Adams and Cup, and you have the two quarterback situations where you just don't know. Yeah. Cup won it two years ago, and oddly enough, I mean Jonathan Taylor was second in the voting when when Cup won it. Cup had the nineteen hundred forty seven receiving yards. Taylor had 332 carries, 1,800 rushing yards. There, were, there was like MVP chatter for Jonathan Taylor down the yes. stretch of that season. And so that's sort of the pathway here where it's like you don't know what the deal is with Adams and his quarterback. Um, he is, you know, he's been paid. He's 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 in Las Vegas. I don't, I don't think he's getting traded. I'm with you. And you're going to lean on your running back when you've got that rookie quarterback. Uh, we saw, you know, to Katie's point a minute ago, Miles Sanders blew up in that spot in that Shane Steichen offense last year. Taylor makes a lot of sense here at twenty to one. I, I do think you know you just you're you're running the risk with a with a with a with a no pun intended with a running back that where you just you know like we've seen them rewarded for it, but it has to be an epic epic season. I mean, again, Taylor three hundred thirty two carries, eighteen hundred yards, eighteen touchdowns, three hundred sixty receiving yards, and two touchdowns, and got ten votes to Cooper Cup's thirty five. That's wild. 10 to 35. I'm going to agree with you, Jonathan Taylor. There's really no reason to uh, give Devontae Adams the uh, the vote here. No quarterback. Plus, Devontae Adams isn't even that happy. He's he's out there talking about how he doesn't agree with what they're doing there in Vegas. So it's going to be a, a tough season, I think, for Adams. So give me Jonathan Taylor. I already think that he's going to have a much better season than last year. Moving on, Saquon Barkley or Lamar Jackson, both at 22 to 1. Uh, you're, you're a Ravens guy. I, I figure you're probably going to go Jackson here at JLC. Yeah. I mean, not, I, I'm not like not out of any fandom, but just, yeah. I, I just, that you, again, like you're looking at sort of narratives, like you live in Baltimore thing, right. That was antiquated and it was revolutionary in that it went back to 1965. Like <laughs> imagine if he has an MVP season with Todd Munkin with a robust yep. horizontal passing game and, they actually throw screens and he doesn't have to run on third and seven all the time. And the protection got a lot better last year with Ronnie Stanley back. And if he could stay relatively healthy, you know, that's a huge sign. All these weapons he's never had before. Like there's actually depth in the wide receiver room. I mean, this is an organization who until they signed Odell Beckham, Michael Crabtree was the highest paid receiver in any one season in, in team history at like 8.5 million. So they they've shed their skin in a lot of ways and they've, they've done some things that philosophically they wouldn't do before, you know, Saquon Barkley, like, I don't even like the, who really like wants Saquon Barkley right now. Like the Giants should have put the tag that Lamar got on Daniel Jones and they should have just let Barkley hit the market and they'd have been in a much better spot. I don't understand how they played it that way. Um, and, and look, he's a heck of a football player, but isn't it all about Brian Dable continuing to now make that quarterback into more than a game manager and to provide more weapons for him? Like, I, I have a hard time coming up. And Saquon Barkley, first half of last season, was one thing. They rode him so hard, it fell off. He couldn't touch the ball as much in the second half. He couldn't be as effective. So to me, this is, you got a guy who's already won a unanimous MVP award? Like, I got to go Lamar Jackson here. Yeah, easy, Lamar, especially when you talk about this new offense. I mean, you know, Todd Munkin 
um, is I, I was talking to uh, uh, my my buddy Tyson, who actually played at, at Navy, and, and was sort of we were just sort of discussing like the triple option and how it you know it, like it it can work better at, at every level of football than um, anybody gives it credit for, and then also you know talking about like what if Todd Monkey comes in and blends the option and the air raid. Like, because they're very similar. It's just a quick hit. You know, it's like a you. The one guy's making a single decision, and you have three possible options that like are the same on basically every play. I mean, it's it's not that crazy. This offense could explode with all these new all these new weapons. My my biggest concern in making this pick is that, like, if you bet on Lamar to win Offensive Player of the Year and he wins MVP, you're gonna yeah. be pretty pretty mad yeah. at yourself because yeah. well, no, like. You gotta do both. And, and, you got to cover your backside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you 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 would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Both, but that's right? what, that's what I was gonna say. If you bet Lamar to win OPOY, bet Lamar to win MVP too, yes. because yes. it would be a dagger if Lamar yeah. won MVP, but then they give the you know offensive player of the year to to you know Nick Chubb or or some or Travis anybody out there. And like you, we have seen it. If Barkley has a monster year, running back a monster year, they will get it. Uh, this is a no brainer situation for Lamar here, especially because we could see where. Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, um, any number of quarterbacks wins MVP, and then Lamar gets Offensive Player of the Year because the Ravens finished second in the division. Joe Burrow wins MVP, and Lamar gets the, the the Offensive Player of the Year. If you don't win your division, you typically don't win MVP. So that like I like this bet. I mean, it's a, a blowout for Lamar over, over Saquon. Yeah, I agree with both of you. I would take Lamar, but I also I was thinking the same thing, uh, Brinson, that I would I would probably bet Lamar for MVP given everything that we talked about more than Offensive Player of the Year. But you bring a good point um, if it goes to somebody else. All right, when you look at all of these, who would be your bet for Offensive Player of the Year? Um, I'm going with Chase. Uh, all the ones we talked about, or just anybody? No, just in general. Yeah, just uh, okay. uh, the, the entire field. Oh. Uh- I mean, I want to go, I want to dip down a little further and, you know, one of the, I mean, Patrick Mahomes at 25 to one isn't crazy. Like, he won, <laughs> I mean, he just, he won, I mean, he's going to have a great year if he plays the entire season. We think he will. And he won MVP last year. We've seen voter fatigue, a real thing. They're hesitant, reticent to give the MVP to back-to-back seasons. Um, I don't hate that at all. I think Trevor Lawrence at 40 to one for offensive player of the year would be really interesting too, because if the Jags have a great season and he's dominant, but you know, it's sort of a Drew Brees situation where Mahomes is just too good. They give him the MVP, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yeah, I think I think those two options would be pretty interesting as well. And it hurts at twenty-five to one. Like, let's say sure. like one of these AFC quarterbacks does throw for fifty-two hundred yards and forty-some touchdowns, right? And that's clearly the MVP. And people are kind of like, "Oh, well, the Eagles been there, done that a little bit." But hurts when you look at his overall touchdowns created, passing and throwing. You look at their overall record. Right. You look at we've seen in the past what they look like without him. Um, you know, that, that might not be the worst play in the world. He or Lamar, I just feel like the value there for a quarterback in that range who are dual threats, you know, versus some of the other guys in that field who rely on somebody else to get them the ball. They don't have the ball in their hands as much. I would go with one of those two. Yeah, I think it's worth noting too that um, just it's just interesting. The last four years, we've seen three wide receivers and a running back win the award. You sort of wonder, is this becoming, are the voters shifting away from, okay, this is the most exciting offensive player to, we're not going to give an MVP award to a running back or a wide receiver. So this Mm. is the best running back slash wide receiver. And then before that, Mahomes won it. He was the unanimous MVP in 2018. Uh, Matt Ryan and then Cam Newton, you know, there's three quarterbacks who've won it recently. 
and Peyton Manning in 2013 as well. Just like clear cut, um, you know, guys for that award. That is a very good point. All right, guys, this is going to wrap up our show. JLC, thank you for joining us today. Brinson, as always, make sure you join us on Tuesday for more off-season coverage. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe on the YouTube page. If you're listening to audio only, download, follow, leave a five-star review, and tell your friends to listen and watch the pod. We'll see you tomorrow. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.